This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. One day Jesus was in front of some uh, tired and uh, hurting people, and he said to them, come to me. And uh, it's in the spirit of Jesus that I welcome you this morning, the one who says to you, come to me. And I pray that the spirit of Jesus would refresh your souls today. Um, there's a welcome card or a connect card in your worship guide and would uh, want to try to connect with you. That's one of our values here. We believe that life is at its best when people are connected. So take a look at that. We can pray for you in some way. And then the other thing I want to say, I think we have, we have some baptism uh, things that are supposed to be up on the screen right now. And we have a baptism barbecue coming in about, I don't know, three weeks maybe, July 7th. And I will not be here. I'm going to miss this greatly. Uh, there's, a, there's a picture coming up here. Let's see, that right there. I was the one guy on the other end of the rope pulling last year. And they were, well, I guess not. I was there anyway. Um, we had a lot of fun. And so if you're interested in getting baptized or just want to have some fun, you know, get that on the calendar. All right. Would uh, you all stand up? And kids up through fourth grade go, are going to go out to Kids on the Rock. And the rest of you are going to turn to somebody around you, maybe somebody you don't know, and say hi. Philippians 1, 3 through 11. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Okay, Curtis, where are you? Yeah, there you go. Um, it's all, I was a little nervous when the guy is supposed to speak. I don't see him. And, uh, and uh, Curtis is our regional director for the Evangelical Covenant Church of Alaska. And Curtis uh, is uh, the first, can I say, the first native Alaskan to be in that, in that role, mm-hmm. and we just think that's really cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and um, if Curtis is, is humble enough, he'll tell you that I taught him how to fly fish. This which is, is true. Which is not part is of true. native Alaskan <laughs> culture until I taught you, and that's now right. it's, it's spreading all over. Right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, what, what more can I say? I can't, so go ahead. <laughs> Well, thank you, Mark. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is uh, good to be here this morning, and, um, and I do use my fly rod. <laughs> so, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, 
a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time of peace. I read Mark's, Mark's article and, and there were three words that caught me. It is time. And this church is in a time, in a changing of season, a changing of, of leadership, a changing of a, of a pastor. And I was reminded of this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 where times, times come and go. And there's a time for everything. And it was with that thought in mind that I, that I thought of this passage to speak from, from Philippians chapter 1 as Community Covenant is going through a time of, of change, which can be a little unnerving perhaps for some of you. Some of you maybe embrace change and say, all right, bring it on. But this is a very significant time because for 17 years you've been shepherded by Pastor Mark and, and Patty. And so, um, so I, I want to come to God's Word this morning with that in mind of the, the changing of season and, and a changing of time. One of the things that, that I find helpful when you think of times where there's change and, and you perhaps wonder what's ahead in the future, I like to go back to the past and look back to what God has done and to look at how God was faithful. This year we have celebrated 125 years of the gospel work uh, with the Covenant Church here in Alaska. Uh, it was in July of 1887 when the first missionary landed on the shores of, of the Norton Sound uh, in, in my hometown, actually. He's buried there. He has a grave marker that uh, towers above all the other markers. And so we're always reminded of the work of Axel Carlson. But there was an interesting story when he first came. Keep in mind, he was Swedish. He spoke Swedish and Russian not a lick of any Eskimo, so you can imagine the uh, missionary challenges he faced. But he, he landed in St. Michael, and when he was there, he met some native people and, and tried to build friendship, tried to build connection. I don't know how, but, but he did. And there's a story I heard of him when he, when he first met people there. He, he reached out his hand. And of course, in our culture, in Western society, you know what that is, Right? It's, a, it's an extension of a greeting, right? To shake a hand. And so when he put out his hand, the people that he was putting out his hand to grabbed it and looked at it and were disappointed because there was nothing in it. <laughs> they were expecting him to be giving them something, uh, a gift or something, but it was empty. <laughs> he was trying to build a connection and extend a hand of friendship, a hand of greeting. Well, God was faithful and provided connection and the gospel took root in the hearts of, of people from that area. And it is now 125 years later and the gospel work has, has gone on. God has been faithful and it began with the extension of a handshake. Friendship. Well, Paul wrote to the Philippians a people, a church that he had a very fond connection to. 
And you hear it in the beginning of this of the chapter of Philippians chapter one, this Thanksgiving and prayer. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is the phrase I want to focus on in my message this morning. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul's connection was, he was expressing to them, We're, we are partners. And it's because of that I, I pray with joy. It's interesting that word partnership, uh, in, in one translation it's translated participators. But the word is actually a Greek, it's a Greek word, koinonia. And if you're familiar with Greek or are familiar with the word koinonia, often that word is translated fellowship, right? Fellowship, koinonia. Now, fellowship, when you think of the word fellowship, I don't know what you think of, but perhaps it's good coffee. Uh, I was, there was a four-year-old boy, we were, we were visiting some friends in Fairbanks, and we were getting ready to go to church on Sunday morning at, at the church in Fairbanks and a few years ago, and, and he said, are you coming to church with us? And we said, yeah, we're, we're coming to church with you guys. And, he, you know, little four-year-old boy, oh, well, church is where we have donuts. <laughs> you know, at, at the church there, right before service, every time they would have donuts. And for this four-year-old boy, man, church fellowship was about donuts. <laughs> you know, can it get any better than a maple bar and perhaps uh, some jitters coffee, right? Kaladis maybe? Uh, well, that's maybe sometimes what we think of, well, I think of when I think of fellowship. But as I've looked at this word, I realize that, that this word koinonia, it's a very rich word, much richer than a maple bar and, and very deep. Uh, and while it's translated fellowship often, there's, I want to say this morning that it's, that maybe it's something a little bit deeper. The word koinonia was, it really wasn't a religious word, but the writers, the writers of the New Testament used it 20 times and, and they applied it to the church. Because the word off, it, it had commercial overtones. It was a, it was a, it was a word that was used to describe, uh, business partnerships, perhaps commitments in, um, in, in marriages. But it was, it was a word that, that the authors used to demonstrate something very powerful. There's a biblical scholar named D.A. Carson, and he wrote this about fellowship, about koinonia. He said, The heart of true fellowship is self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. Hmm? A little more than maple bars, huh? A self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. Christian fellowship, then, is self-sacrificing conformity to the gospel. There may be overtones of warmth and intimacy, but the heart of the matter is this shared vision is of what is of transcendent importance, a vision that calls forth our commitment. When I read those words, I was just grabbed. A vision that calls forth our commitment. This is the heart of fellowship. Something that calls us to do something and to be something more than we can even ever imagine. 
a commitment to the gospel. It was this commitment that Axel Carlson, the first missionary, had in his heart. He was called forth from Sweden to come to Alaska, the, the uttermost parts of the world. And he became partners. He became partners with, with Alaska Native people to bear that good news, to bear the good news of the gospel. He died in 1910. In 1887, there were very few, if any, believers, any few people who knew of the gospel. But by 1910, one writer says that almost throughout the Arctic, there was hardly a person that wasn't a follower of Jesus. Pretty amazing, huh? In 20 years or so, he died surrounded by partners, fellow participators in the gospel. People who caught it. People who were compelled to a vision that called them forward to something greater. Called them, called them to a deep commitment. So koinonia has, has some, some deep meanings. The, the word is, is, it held the idea of a joint participation in something with someone. It's interesting there is four times it's used. Is it's used in reference to the material or the financial contributions of the of the support of the advancement of the gospel. There is a beautiful passage in Second Corinthians eight, where Paul wrote, "And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity." For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. The privilege of koinonia in this service to the Lord's people. See, they caught it. They were called forth to a, a, a vision of a, of a deep commitment, one in which they, they sacrificed, they gave generously, they gave even beyond what they were able, all because of the gospel, because of this koinonia. And so this, this word is, is deep, and it, it, it's, deeper, it's deeper than maple bars. But there's a connection to the gospel. When we think about fellowship, when we hear that word koinonia, it's connected to, to the gospel. Now, the gospel, the Greek word for, for the gospel that you read in, in, the, in the New Testament is euangelion. I'm not a Greek scholar, but, uh, but that's what I, I think it's the way you say it. Euangelion. And it's, it's a combination of two words. Good message. Good message. People who caught that vision and became committed to being bearers. They became bearers of a good message. But I recently heard speaker and writer Tim Keller talk about, talk about what gospel means and this good message idea. He, he said that originally it meant, it, was the, it meant the news of an event that brought great joy. 
news of an event that brought great joy. And it was a word that wasn't original to the New Testament, to the Bible. There's a first century inscription that, that says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. And it was an announcement of news that apparently brought great joy to some people. The, the beginning of the reign of Caesar Augustus. And it's interesting that the beginning of the gospel of Mark almost parallels those exact, that exact phrase. This is the, this is the gospel of, of Jesus the announcement of, of good news. If I could get the picture up on the, on the screen of, um, that, I, that I have here. There's a statue of, um, of a man named uh, Pheidippides. Again, my Greek scholarness is coming out here. <laughs> but it's, it's, this is on the road to between Athens and Marathon. Now, if you are familiar with the story, perhaps, and it's legend, it's not necessarily historically accurate, but this is a statue that commemorates the run that this man made to give a gospel, announcing good news. In, the, in 490, the Greeks were being invaded by the Persians, and the Greeks were smaller in number. They were the underdogs, but they overcame the Greeks. And it was this man who was, who was given the charge to go back to Athens to announce the victory. And legend has it that he ran, well, the, the, the distance we have today for a marathon is 26.2 miles. So let's say he ran 26.2 miles. He uttered the words, Nike! Just do it, baby! <laughs> we did it! But no, he, he uttered the words they say, Nike, which means victory. We have had victory. Rejoice, for we are victorious. That was his announcement, and legend has it that he uttered those words and died. <laughs> now, if I could have the next slide up. That's a funny shirt. <laughs> Why couldn't he have died at 20 miles? <laughs> I have a friend who, uh, upon nearing his 50th birthday, his, his sister, his twin sister, challenged him, said, hey, let's run a marathon together. And he said, no, humans aren't made to run that distance. Amen? Do we have an amen out there? <laughs> humans are made to run that distance. Well, his sister said, oh, so you've been winning, beating me our whole life, and now you chicken out. Okay, those were fighting words. He said, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> so they, they ran... They ran a marathon together on their fifth, in their, the year of their 50th birthday, but why couldn't it have been 20 miles, right? I'm 41, and I'm thinking, I don't know what happens when you turn 40, but it seems I, have, I know many people who they start running marathons for some deranged reason, and I've actually entertained that thought, but um, I'm going to go to counseling. <laughs> well... What is Pheidippides, and if we could go back to that, the other slide, the, the picture of the statue, because I want this image to be the image that captures this message, I think. What does this have to do with fellowship in the gospel? Well, he was a Evangelion. He was a bearer of good news. He was announcing Nike. He was announcing victory over the Persians. He was announcing something that, that would bring the people great joy. He was an evangelist. 
That's where we get the word from. And it's, it's this story, really, that battle at Marathon in 490 really set a course that impacted European history. Some have said it was more important than the Battle of Hastings. It was a significant historical event, even for Europe, though it was centuries before. But when, when good news happened, they sent out euangelions. They sent out runners to go and announce good news. Interesting, huh? Isn't it that simple that we are called to be runners? We're called to be in partnership with one another. We're called to have a commitment to a, a vision that is common, that is shared to this good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of His death and His resurrection and His, and his return. You know, why couldn't have Pheidippides died at 20 miles, you know? Sometimes we ask that of ourselves and the call that maybe God has given you. Why can't it be just a little bit easier? You know what I mean? Why couldn't it just be a little bit easier, Lord? Couldn't it be just 20 miles? But no, when Jesus came, He ran the full distance. He ran the complete course that His Father had called Him to. And that's the kind of call that He extends to you and I. He extends to Community Covenant. A call to run the course to your fullest with a deep commitment in partnership with one another in koinonia, the full distance. Jesus, Mark wrote in, in chapter 10 of his gospel, he said Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give, to give his life as a ransom for many. And so he did. He ran the course and set an example for us that we might do the same. And that's my word this morning. That as you go through the season of change, you know, in, in some it may, it may stir up wonder and perhaps some anxiety about church finances or what's going to happen. You know, there's, there's change. And what I've heard is, is, is this body is coming together in a new way. And people are hopeful there's definitely that touch of sadness as dear friends are going to be departing, but, but the sense of this body coming together in a new way, that's the opportunity that is, that is before Community Covenant. An opportunity to, to understand and live out koinonia in a whole new way. Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Galatians, he was wanting to make a case for himself and his call. He, he told about his call. He wrote about his call. He said, uh, this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. It's from God. He, he said to them that, that you have heard of my previous life in Judaism. Paul, as you know, when he was Saul, was an intense persecutor of those who followed and walked in the way of Jesus he was a persecutor. But he said, But when God who set me from birth called me by His grace was pleased to reveal His Son in me 
he had a revelation. He wrote that when he went to Syria and Cilicia, he was, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Paul's life has been changed by this gospel, this announcement of good news. He, go, he went on, he said, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was running, I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. He wanted to be sure and he set before them this this announcement of good news. As for those who are held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, announcing the news, being a euangelion. He then said, For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me, who once persecuted, people who followed this way, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of koinonia. They gave me the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. I read this story and and I thought, man, that had to have been moving for someone who had been contrary to the way being given that right hand. The way Axel Carlson did to Alaska Native people, as an euangelion, as an evangelist, Peter and Paul and James, Peter and James gave it to Paul and Barnabas, the right hand of Koinonia. Why? Because they had recognized God's grace in his life. I think one of the best things that could happen for Community Covenant is for the members of this church to look to one another and with an extension of the right hand of Koinonia recognize and affirm God's grace in one another to spur one another on in the love and good deeds that God has called you to. And so whether you are someone who's visiting today for the first time or whether you are a charter member, God has a call and has called you and this church to be proclaimers, to be bearers, to be runners, euangelions, to announce that which brings life, that which brings hope, that which brings significance and meaning to people's lives like nothing else in this world. And so maybe this summer as you watch the Olympics and think about the marathon, see the marathon, maybe they'll remind you and jog your memory to be called forth to a deeper commitment 
in following Jesus personally and together. May God's grace abound uh, in your life, in the life of this church, as you step forward into this new season. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you walked on the shores of a lake and said the simple words, Come, follow me. And the response of the people, the fishermen, was to lay down their nets and immediately follow you. They gave their lives. Lord, I pray that we might have your grace to give our lives, to run the course, to be called to to catch this vision, to walk with a deeper commitment, to be partners with a common vision. Touch us with your grace, Lord, and do that thing in our lives that only you can do. Thank you for the good news, Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.